Welcome to Theology Thursday. Yeah. Uh, we've got um, we've got stuff to talk about. Nick's got a plan. So let's do this thing. Let's do it. Theology Thursday. Uh, what do you get asked every time you say you're a Calvinist? All right. So, I mean, I've been doing a couple of pastoral visits, and one of the most common issues, as soon as they're here, they've come to a Reformed Baptist church. The question is, well, what do you mean by Reformed Baptist? Mm-hmm. So, like, well, okay, so start slow, start tame, start with five solas. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no mention of a name. It's all Latin. It's all Christ-based, gospel-centered. Everyone's very happy. Mm-hmm. And then you move from the five solas to the five points. And then it's like, hang on a minute. Put on the brakes. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. And then they ask you, do you mean Calvinism? Mm-hmm. And as soon as you say, yes, Calvinism, then they're like, well, so you guys don't believe in free will. Mm-hmm. And so the big question is, you know, do we have free will? What is free will? And I'm mm-hmm. asking them, what do you mean by free will? So I thought that would be a great, great yeah. discussion for us. You know, oh, so totally. Pastor Mike, uh, you come and visit me, and I'm your Arminian church visitor, and I ask you, what do you mean or what do you believe about free will? Right. What I say normally is, I do believe it. <laughs> I said, I what? believe. What? You're a I believe in free will. Um, all right, so I'm just trying to pull up the. Um, we got a whole confession chapter on free will. Sweet. Um, let me see if I can get this quick. Um, Kindle, where I keep my trusty confession. Chapter nine. Chapter nine. All right. Mm. Um, and we have five paragraphs. Okay, it says, of free will. Here we go. God hath endued the will of man with that natural liberty uh-huh. and power of acting upon choice that is neither forced nor by any necessity of nature determined to do good or evil. Mm-hmm. Quite a shocking opening paragraph yeah. there. All right, now obviously it's talking so it about... it sounds like it agrees with libertarian yep. notions of free will. Uh, it does sound like it. Right. But then we go on and um, it, it talks about the way that man has essentially, you know, the fall happened. Yeah. And so that messed everything up. But it didn't change this, uh, this idea that man has been endued with something. It just meant that his nature brought a kind of chaining up of that nature, uh, of that will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Luther's famous bondage of the will. Yeah. That's what he meant. It's not that we don't have a free will. It's just that with our will now, we only freely ever choose evil. Yeah. And so uh, we're, we're, we're bound by, by the chains of our own nature. And, um, and, and then, of course, you know, even what we're saying is, you know, w- when those chains are removed, when we become Christians, when we end up in glory, mm-hmm. um, the freedom that we're going to have and the freedom that we're finally going to, you know, enjoy forever is, is uh, it's not a freedom that either chooses good or bad. That's not the goal. We want to be beyond probation. Mm-hmm. We want to be, uh, we don't want to go back to that original state before the yeah. fall. Yeah. We want to be in uh, chains of our renewed nature, so to like speak. Like God. Like God, who is truly free. So we're actually questioning the whole definition of freedom at, yeah. at that level, which, yeah, comes back to the libertarian thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think when people hear that, 
it at least gives them enough to chew over before asking the question again too soon. Because I think what they expected to hear was, um, no, you know, we're Calvinists. We believe God is chosen. So we're like robots, you know, or something along those lines. Mutually exclusive views. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, And then the other thing um, that is worth bringing out is this whole um, idea of compatible, not compatible, um, concurrence. Concurrence, yeah, good. Yeah. I mean, wait, you know, and I, the way I, I think I've, Michael Horton might have described it this way or I got it from somewhere, but essentially you're, you're, you don't want to make the theological mistake with the idea of free will, of thinking that we were ever in the same realm as God mm-hmm. with our wills to begin with. Yeah. You have God eating his freedom pie. And we're eating our freedom pie. There's not one freedom pie that yeah. God shares with us. It's two different, different totally Horton. different freedom pies. Heard the same lecture. Yeah, right. Awesome. Totally. Was that Horton, was it? Yeah. Okay, yeah, there we go. So, yeah, I thought it was Horton. But, um, yeah, I've used that a few times. I think that's amazing, you know, like, because that's exactly what the question is doing. It's saying, oh, you know, it's or at least has that loaded agenda in that uh, who's who's getting the most pie here? Yeah. God because, I mean, Arminians would take one pie. And they would divide the pie like maybe, yeah. you know, if they're very generous, it's 99% God and mm-hmm. 1% man. Mm-hmm. So man has a free will. It's for 1% of the freedom pie. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're semi-Pelagian, yep. it's 50-50. Mm-hmm. If they're pure Pelagian, it's sort of 99% uh, man and 1% God. Yep. Um, but we're saying there's a pie that's 100% man. Mm-hmm. You will and you do. And there's another pie. And you eat God. 100% of your pie. He wills and yeah. he does in you to will and do. Yeah. Totally. And the one doesn't cancel out the other no. or replace the other. Hyper-Calvinists come along and they say... Um, they give oh, God the bigger piece yeah, of the pie. They just essentially make the same or mistake. Or just one pie yeah. with a 100% God instead of two pies. Yeah, instead of two pies. Yeah. So the most helpful um, analogy to that, although it's not perfect, and this might have been C.S. Lewis, um, although I don't know if he even held to the concurrence view, but, but um, essentially um, this is how I see it working. In that you've got... God's ontological, uh, ontological being so far above anything that we know, do, or experience. I mean, this mm-hmm. is God. He's of a different, complete status to man. And, uh, you know, that's why we're saying he gets his own freedom pie. It's not like it would be blasphemy to say he has to share our freedom pie, so to speak. And at that level, you're thinking in terms of an author and characters in the story. Mm. That's how different God is from, huh. you know, us. We're, we're, yeah. we're written into the story. We're as free as a character in the story is who, you know, and I know we're oversimplifying it there. You know, we're bringing it down to a human level, but it really isn't that yeah. much of a stretch because like we are, we are, um, without being deterministic or fatalistic, if you think about a, a, a story, I mean, the, the character has a freedom in it, in the story. The, the author writes it in. Mm. But so yet, the difference between a cartoon, which is two-dimensional, and ourselves, which is three-dimensional, is more true to the facts of our difference between I think us so. and God. Yeah. yeah, true that. Yeah, and you've got to have that. You know, if you don't, that's when all the theological problems start. Well, let me give you, I mean, I've recently done some pastoral visits, and there are a couple of... Uh, illustrations that I have up my sleeve. You'll be familiar with these, but uh, I think they're very useful. So let's discuss those. Mm-hmm. The first one is Thomas Boston's Fourfold State of Man. Oh, brilliant. So I always get mm-hmm. a piece of paper and I draw a square mm-hmm. and I divide that square into four. Mm-hmm. The top left hand corner is created man, man before the fall. We yeah. got Adam. Man, in the, uh, then we have the top right corner, that's man after the fall. Uh-huh. Bottom left hand side of the page, we have regenerate man. 
in the bottom right hand side of the page is glorified. Do you want to do the Latin terms? Come on, do it. <laughs> passe non peccare. Uh, yeah, just just sort of jumble up passe and peccare a few times. Passe peccare, passe non peccare. Yeah. Translating that into English, uh-huh. what we mean is, uh-huh. um, so. Does man have free will? So, uh, you know, what I do is I walk anyone through. I say, okay, well, let's begin with Adam and Eve before the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, here they are. God has made them very good. They have all that they need to fully achieve all of the commandments of God. God has not asked them to do anything they could not do. Mm-hmm. And they, they have all the resources that they need to do what he's asking them. Mm-hmm. So was Adam free? And the question is, of course, the answer is, of course, oh, of course he was. And even the yeah. Arminian would agree that Adam before the fall was genuinely free. And yeah. we go, amen. And that's, is, that's exactly what our confession says. Yeah. A paragraph two, man in his state of innocency has freedom and power to will and to do that which was good and well-pleasing to God. Yep. So, I mean, there it is, clearly yeah. stated. Yep. So, amen. Beautiful. But there's more to the story than that. The story doesn't stop there. Man is not the same as he was, as he was created. So then we have to take into account the fall. Mm-hmm. And now we have fallen man. And how does the Bible describe fallen man? Dead in trespasses and sins. Mm-hmm. Subject to the prince of the power of the air. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By nature, children of wrath. Mm. The natural man cannot, will not submit to, to God's law. Indeed, he cannot submit to God's yeah. law. Yeah. So there's a will not yeah. because there's a cannot. Yeah. So there's a will, mm-hmm. which he won't do. Mm-hmm. Because there's something that's happened to his nature. Mm. It's fallen. Mm. And I think Jonathan Edwards put it this way. We're free to act in accordance with our natures. Mm-hmm. So before the fall, when God made us very good, amen. Yeah. We were free. And we could sin and we could obey. Yeah. But now that we have fallen, there's been a nature change. Yeah. We have hearts of stone. Mm. Paul calls us the natural man. or one. Uh, so that's Romans 8 verse 7. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14, you know, spiritual things are spiritually discerned. The natural Mm. man looks at the gospel and it's foolishness to him. He cannot understand Mm -hmm. it. He will not accept it. Mm. And so the will not flows from this new cannot that's native to his fallen nature. Mm -hmm. Um, So then I ask the question, you know, so do you, are we free not to sin? Mm. Will we inevitably sin? Have all sinned Mm. and fallen short of the glory of God? Mm -hmm. Are there any who are free from this condition? The answer is, of course, no. So so we're now saying man was originally created free, Mm -hmm. but because of the fall, he's no longer free. And, you know, I mean, Pelagius put it this way when he was arguing against free will with Augustine. He said, God would never ask us to do anything we couldn't do. Yeah. And we would say, amen, when it comes to Adam. Yes. But now that the consequences of Adam's sin have fallen upon us. And just to stop you there as well, because that's really the lynch of the thing, because Actually, we're not saying that Adam and Eve were like free, you know, in the way that we ultimately, that God is, that we want to be. Yeah. He was sinless yet able to sin. Yeah. He was able to undergo probation. Yeah. And, um, and so we don't want to get put back into that state. Yeah. Uh, that's not true freedom. And, and I think that's like, it, it just needs to be said again and again and again, because it's almost like we, you know, we started free. Okay. Yes, we did in a sense. In a sense. But, but, but you know, and Boston, I think probably didn't, um, I think a few critiques have been leveled against, you know, he probably didn't mention that quite as much okay. as he, uh, he should have. Also what, what perhaps, um, you know, you think about a uh, uh, state of regenerate, you know, um, yeah. you know, right now we're, we're, are we really in our Edenic state? No. You know, no. And that's so another let, thing. Yeah. Let me, yeah. let me take these four squares again and yes. put some, uh, some, some clarifying statements on them. Mm-hmm. 
Adam, sinless yet able to sin. Yes. Fallen man, sinful yet not able to obey. Yeah. Or not able not to sin. Right. Regenerate man, sinful yet able to obey. Yeah. He will sin. And unable, will inevitably sin. and unable to fall away. Yes, at that point, which okay. is at least something. So there's there's a couple of clarifications yeah. we have yeah. to add, and totally. there's, there's a complexity to a state we have to take yeah. into account. Yeah. And then finally, we get to glorified man, sinless and not able to sin. Beautiful. Okay, so those are the clarifying statements. But let's 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 track again. We've covered mm. Adam, uh, Adam before the fall. Mm-hmm. We've had a look at fallen man, mm-hmm. and of course, the issue with fallen man is this. And here's where I bring out my second illustration, Lorraine Bittner. Mm-hmm. Butner, Bittner, however you pronounce it. And it is a guy, not a girl, yeah. Lorraine. Lorraine. Um, he uses the picture of two cages. You've got a lion in one cage mm-hmm. and a donkey in another. In front of the lion, you've got this beautiful pile of freshly cut straw. In front of the donkey, you've got this juicy steak. Yeah. Well, what's going to happen to these animals? They're going to starve to death. Why? Because it's not in their nature to eat the food before them. Yeah. So yeah. in order for them to eat the steak or eat the straw, their natures have to be changed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what God does with us. Yeah. So he gives us a heart of flesh and place the heart of stone. No one comes to me but my father draw him. God opened Lydia's heart to believe mm, and granted mm. the gift of repentance. Acts 11 verse 18. The scriptures are all over the place. And so we would say that we are enabled to believe. And here's the, here's the yeah. key. This, this is where I think people get really... Yes. Um, you know, so did, when God gave us the gift of faith, does it does mean he, like he downloaded... Us? Yeah, yeah, yeah the data clip of faith into our hard drive and no, then no. without even making our own choice we just process no, it and yeah. lift it out? No. Yeah. We're not it's not a data dump. We're not robots. He frees our will so that we now want to walk up to the stake and eat yeah. it. We now we, want to walk up to the straw. We come it. freely on the day of his power yeah. is the idea. Yeah. yeah. Which and so is, um, it's he gives us a new heart, a new set of desires, yeah. as it were. Right. So now we have a new he doesn't give us a new will. Gives mm-hmm. us a new heart out of which the a new nature. present yeah. Yeah. instrument of will, which had been in the service of sin, mm-hmm. is now repurposed according to the new desires mm. of the, the new thing that the Lord has woven into our being. Mm. I think uh, Burkhoff calls it the principle of regeneration. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. So we, we're just... Um we're 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 uh, let we're we're set free in terms of that bondage of our nature. 100%. That's that's we so, have so, a so, way. So to... the question I you know I often ask this question. So in light of what we've just said, you know, which comes first, regeneration or faith? Two sides of the same coin. Yeah, but I mean, logically, not chronologically. Okay. So uh, logically, we have to say yeah. that no one comes unless the Father draws. Yeah. That that millisecond before we believe, mm. there mm-hmm. is a reviving work of the Holy Spirit which mm-hmm. enables the believer. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, I mean, if we want to put time on it. Yeah, totally. No, that's right. And um, and so, and, and yeah, it does get to the heart of the thing because people, you know, and typically the people that are asking these questions are Armenians and, um, or at least they're not Calvinist. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're worried that we're, that we're messing around with something they know to be innately human. And I think that that is what the confession does well. It says, no, no. We are acknowledging 100% the humanity that you're worried about. We're just saying there's extra parts of the story here that you have to take into consideration. And regeneration means something. Definitely. And And, uh, not only Arminians, um, I found that this framework is very useful with hyper-Calvinists. So here's a form of hyper-Calvinism I've encountered, and it's Mm. the gift of faith. So Mm. when you believe... It wasn't actually your choice. So when the Lord commands you to believe or commands right. you to repent, you don't do your own obedience. Huh. He just 
did it for you through you like a robot. Oh boy. And so I've had to actually correct Calvinists who yeah, oh, in their totally. zeal to sort of yes. reject their own Arminianism have overstated the overstated case. it, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, no, oh boy. And and half of that problem comes, I think, through a lack of a confession, often. Um, you know, maybe not so much the well, I suppose the functional hyper Calvinism comes but you think of the the big wave of Calvinism and, and, and all of that is not normally attached to a confession. So there's not a lot of checks and balances there yeah, and, and there's not a lot of roundedness and it ends up as a functional hyper-Calvinism. I mean, oftentimes. there's been some long, deep discussions on this issue and if you don't read yeah. church history, you're going to, yeah. yeah, if you try to reinvent the wheel, you're going to oh, reinvent, you know, going to fall into all the same mistakes yeah. that everyone fell into. Totally. So that is a huge point and really, really helpful. Yeah. So um, let's let's go through the grid again. Yeah, We've done Adam. Mm-hmm. We've done fallen man. Now he's been regenerated. He's mm-hmm. done his own act of believing. He's eaten his own steak. He's eaten his own straw. He's now the regenerate man with this new heart. He's done his first actions of believing and repenting. Mm-hmm. Now we look at the the bottom left hand uh, square at regenerate man, and the yeah. question is, does he have a free will? And it'll be a qualified yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Sinful, yet able to obey, though mm-hmm. there is an inevitability, though not a... He tastes freedom. Yes. He, he foretastes it to the degree, and here's the two-age sojourner thing, to the degree that we experience the age to come, we yeah. taste freedom. Yeah. We don't want an over-realized eschatology, yeah. but we don't want an under-realized eschatology. That's true. We do partake in the resurrection power of Christ in regeneration. Yeah. It's an application of new creation life and it's a big thing with our fight against sin to know that you don't want to just walk around like you know this is another thing with calvinism isn't it form of hyper calvinism now that i think about it is just a you know oh miserable man that i am you know um oh i do the things i do don't do not want to do you know and 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 not an acknowledgement of the age to come in there yeah totally so so we've had uh, regenerate man and then one day we're by death, we enter into our first resurrection. Or, yeah. you know, we don't yeah. want to be unclothed. We want to be further clothed. We want the glorified man. Mm-hmm. And so this is usually the linchpin for me when the argument okay. really comes to a, a good conclusion. One day in heaven, we'll be sinless and not able to sin. We'll be fully conformed to the image of Christ. And um, <clears throat> now, some people would doubt whether that's the case. A lot of Christians um, who haven't really thought through it have raised the issue of, well, can't we sin in heaven, yet the blood of Jesus just covers it anyway? Um, you know, so wow. not a full glorified existence. So no sin is still possible, though covered. Really? Yeah, so I've heard that Bible College, one no of my ways. lecturers, wow. yeah, suggested the possibility. Perish the thought. <laughs> but um, I think where I launch to is God himself. You know, he's fully conforming us to his own image. We're glorified, we're freed from all the it effects seems, of the fall, and yeah. God cannot sin. And it seems like the question almost comes from this desire to want to retain some sort of freedom that we have in mind, yeah. when it can't ultimately be true of God anyway. Definitely. And so, I mean, is God free? Yes. He's the most free of all beings. Yeah. He Can God sin? Freedom. No. He is self. Yeah, he, the ACT of God. He's completely independent. Yeah. Um, and so, amen, God is free. But his freedom, uh, the way that we define God's freedom, is not defined by a libertarian freedom. We're no. equal opportunities for good or evil. Yeah. yeah. And, so, does, is, uh, and so the definition of um, free to act in accordance with our nature applies equally to God as to ourselves. Yeah. yeah. God is who he is, mm-hmm. does what he is, mm-hmm. as do we. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. 
And so that often sort of, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, so, it's I mean, a powerful it's, argument. I think it's reasonable because it looks, it, it, it shuts down, you know, it, because of the chronology and the different stages, it absorbs the concern of, yes, man is free. Mm. But it adds the rest of the storyline that we did fall and that we need the power of God to save us. We don't save ourselves. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we have to define freedom by who God is, not by some preconceived notion. Yeah, totally. So hopefully if you're struggling with the free will thing, that is, uh, or at least not struggling with it, but just find yourself kind of thinking about it every now and again. And uh, perhaps, you, you know, this is typically the case, you'd have to talk to people about it and no doubt have been asked that question. Those are some uh, really good points to think through. Thomas Boston, Jonathan Edwards, be some go-to reads Lorraine there. Uh, Lorraine Bittner. Um, and uh, there is another one that I had in mind. Um, 1689. Oh, 69, <laughs> come on. Um, but no, there was... Um, Michael Horton, Four Calvary. Oh, of course, Bondage of the Will. You know, uh, Luther, you got to read that. He has been accused of overstating his Right, case. fair enough. But I mean, just for the sake of the yeah. sheer historical deal, you know, I think yeah. it's worth a read. And um, and it's very good. I mean, it really helped me, and without a doubt. Um, so, yeah, those are some things that you can think about. Um, and there's more to say, of, of course. But, uh, oh, and then the other thing, concurrence, uh, that would be mostly in Michael Horton's Christ- Michael Christian Horton, faith. But you'd also find it in Burkhoff, a much shorter. That's true. And there That's are varieties true. of concurrence. Dabney's got a slightly different notion of concurrence. Yes, yes. He absorbs alternative views of providence. Right. But, but more anyone that's going to hold to that creative creature distinction is some is going to be an agreeable, uh, agreeable as a Calvinist to this sort of thing anyway. Double agency. There are two willing agents, yes. both God and ourselves, and we don't will to the cancellation of any of the others. We are both we are both willing to the fullest extent, yeah. though in accordance with our natures. Yeah. Amen. Great way to summarize. Um, so, hope you enjoyed that, and stay tuned for tomorrow, Philosophy Friday. Yeah.